We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Gaming has become a popular pastime for millions of men and women of all ages. They spend untold hours on their phones, tablets, and PCs playing video games. There's growing concern that too many of them spend too much time that their gaming is out of control because of compulsive play. Is it possible to be addicted to gaming? The World Health Organization thinks so and has classified addiction as a disease. Joining me in studio are Nigel Darval, a clinical therapist with Mid-America Psychiatric Consultants, that is, and Charles Whitehead is a recent Webster graduate formerly addicted to gaming. Gentlemen, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Nigel, let me begin with you. Um, Is this World Health Organization decision justified, do you think? Well, you know, it. Uh, when I see patients that uh, come in, you know, and uh, this becomes like a central feature of their life, I mean, there is there is some kind of you know validity, you know, to it because uh, it does follow the same pattern that you would see in a addiction to substances or gambling. Yeah. Um, you know, it's always kind of met with raised eyebrows when you call any behavior an addiction or or a disease. But, no, we're talking here about a $100 billion growing industry every year. And, uh, you know, there, there can be consequences when, you know, I always say to my patients, you know, if you're using one thing, it becomes everything. Mm-hmm. So if that's a means of how you escape, you know, it can be problematic. Uh, Charles, I, I gather that uh, it was everything to you at some point in your life. Uh, I think for me it was an escape from real life into a world So I grew up in a very small rural town, somewhere around 99 people, maybe 100 if someone was passing through in a car. And most people were not my age. Um, I was a very shy child. I didn't make too many friends. So when I could come home and go to a video game, because they were just really starting to get bigger and technology was improving when I was young, I could go to my room and I could just escape. The troubles that had happened at school, troubles within the family, being alone, I was never alone when I had those, and that just continued and continued and continued. And, you know, even as I got older, that always remained kind of a a fixed constant in my life. Well, how did you get over it? (laughs) Finding people who did it the right way, who were balanced. When I came up here to college, um, there was a game I played called Super Smash Brothers Melee. It's a competitive game, and people, again, of all ages play it. Um, And I found people who were fighting for valedictorian at Washington University or they had families, they had children, full-time jobs, and they were not only able to live life the right way, they were also able to beat me at this game. Mm-hmm. So I had to look within myself and say, okay, they're happy. They are able to live a good life. They're able to do it the right way. And so that kind of became the example that I followed. Nigel, a typical story we've just heard? You know, that actually, um, you know, is, is good to hear because that's what you want to be striking for is a balance. I mean, you know, again, we, we have a, you know, a, a an experience here that is here to stay. I mean, internet gaming is not going anywhere. So, you know, rather than just kind of, you know, demonize it or kind of, you know, abandon it, take it away, it is about balance, you know, and, uh, you know, just kind of keeping it, uh, you know, 
again, balanced. This is this is not new, these concerns that people have had about being addicted to games. I, going back to the 70s when the games are very simple, Correct. people were saying the same thing. Right. Absolutely. What is the association that I keep reading about between gaming and depression? Well, we always look for, you know, we know what people are escaping to. We're not so sure what they're escaping from. And what we see with a lot of, uh, you know, gamers is that there may be, you know, aspects of low self-esteem, anxiety, depression. So, you know, Charles was talking about an escape, and that's what it becomes. You know, it's a way to kind of self-soothe. I mean, and these games, you know, increasingly get better and better and better in terms mm -hmm. of their design and their graphics. So, uh, you know, the actions that it has on the brain is similar to a drug, and that's where you get into the, you know, the arguments then in terms of disease and, uh, you know, addiction processes. Charles, did you feel this happening to you? I mean, was this something that one day you woke up and said, my God, I've, I've uh, got to get past this? I think when I was getting to that probably preteen age, right around the time I started to have real responsibilities growing up, had to take care of things around the house, had real difficult homework, had sports that I was going up in, and had a new social life moving to a new school. And that was when the addiction was certainly at that stage before, but I couldn't really tell because it wasn't interrupting anything. You know, I was in grade school, very little responsibility, and it wasn't until I started to get those responsibilities that I knew this is becoming a severe inhibition to my growth and to what it is I'm trying to accomplish in my life. But at that point, it was kind of too late. I didn't really know where else to go. I still struggled socially, so they were still there, and the problem was still there as well. Nigel, what is going on in the brain when this is happening? Well, you know, we live in a society where it's 24-7. We are on all the time. And, you know, when people come to see me, that's one of their chief complaints is that how can they get away from themselves? So it's this kind of hurry, sickness, you know, culture that we have. I mean, we expect more from technology than we do from each other. So, you know, when, when Charles talks about balance, you know, it's also about the right type of connection. So it is addressing perhaps underlying symptoms like depression and stress management. And, you know, gaming is also about, you know, time management. It's about, again, balancing mm -hmm. that. But, you know, I was just saying earlier, we, we're facing in our history a massive migration that we've never seen in terms of people moving indoors. They're not going out anymore. It's almost like a nature deficit mm -hmm. disorder, you know, we're going to be seeing. Is it dangerous? It... it it can be, well, I, I wouldn't say it can be dangerous. It's problematic in terms of what it gets in the way of. You know, I will have a parent call me up and say, you know, I've got a son or daughter who's online all the time gaming and interacting with who knows who, you know, all across the world. And what they're always asking me is that, is this an addiction? Is it dangerous? Is it a problem? And what I like them to consider is, you know, what's it getting in the way of? You know, if we've got a, if we've got an individual who's doing well at school, at work, and is, is achieving that balance, well, then there's nothing wrong with a little bit of escape. Mm. I think the concern is is when parents and uh, you know concerned others really kind of lack awareness or knowledge about what their child or even you know partner is is doing. Mm. I often, you know, recommend that parents sit down with uh, their kids or who they're concerned with and just have them share what their experience is with gaming. I mean, they can actually find out a lot, and that's really about, you know, connecting with the person. 
I'd like to invite our listening audience to get into this conversation the time that we have. Uh, perhaps you have experience with gaming or maybe even feel that you were addicted to it or are addicted to it. Give us a call at 382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can send, send us an email to talk at stlpublicradio.org or if you'd prefer to send us a tweet, do so at STL on air. Charles, um, was there a withdrawal situation when you were pulling away from this? Hmm, a withdrawal. Uh, you know, whenever you make a big change in your life, if you do it too abruptly, I think that there would absolutely be a withdrawal. But that wasn't really the case for me. I was still running cross country and track. I was becoming more, I guess, adept at speaking to people. And I was more involved with things on campus. So it was slowly chipping away at that time. And it was learning how to manage that time better. Because as I said earlier, uh, these people that I was learning this balance from, they were still better than me at the game, despite the fact that I was putting in many more hours. So it kind of became an additional challenge for me to say, how can I use this time that I do spend more wisely? So there wasn't really a withdrawal for me because of the way that I went about it. Right. How many hours a day were you spending gaming? At my peak, it was <laughs> at, my, at my peak, my, my heyday, yeah. we'll call it that. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, during school nights, I'd get home at 3, finish homework by 4.30, and probably game until 10.30. And then during summers, I mean, you'd get in the double digits, no question, 9, 10, even 11 hours. Nigel, when does it become a problem, When the, the time you spend? Well, and, and what Charles is talking about is that it's, you know, that is not uncommon you know, that you can get that just as kind of like a baseline from six hours, you know, on. You know, for me, it's a problem when you're apps, you know, you're just neglecting other responsibilities and obligations. So, you know, you're not going to work, you're not going to school, you're not fulfilling your, you know, responsibilities in terms of, you know, work or school assignments. So it's basically like any addiction is when it gets in the way and it becomes it becomes your everything. If you're not spending that kind of time uh, uh, gaming, uh, is there any therapeutic value to the to 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 gaming itself if you don't overdo it? Absolutely. Again, it's about, you know, when we look at addiction and what treatment works, you know, there's many, you know, options and resources, but the opposite of addiction is connection. Mm-hmm. But it's the right type of connection. So, you know, it has been shown to be soothing, relaxing, um, kind of balance out anxiety states and get a person to feel, you know, that they're not kind of in their head so much. So there, there can be, you know, therapeutic value to it. It can be used as a relaxation. Charles, I have a feeling in what you've uh, said so far that for you it wasn't a question of, of, of being soothed so much as it was a challenge, a competition. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Competition yeah. is, you know, I've been involved in sports for as long as I can remember, and that goes as well with video games. And one of the reasons that I think video game addiction and a reliance on video games has become so widespread is because they are able to scratch so many itches. There is the therapeutic. There are the um, massive multiplayer online games where you can become an entirely different person and live a separate life. social. Yeah, yeah, social. And there's also the competition. So for me, the competition was the part that I wanted to do the most. And, you know, I can remember growing up um, nearby bowling alley, going and taking my stack of quarters and playing people in the old Marvel versus Capcom machines. Because, Mm. you know, it... One thing that gaming has that a lot of other mediums don't is the interaction with other people. You know, you can watch a movie, but what's what's proper theater etiquette? So be quiet, don't say anything, and then afterwards you can talk about your experience. But if you're playing a game with somebody, and especially nowadays online, it's social as well. And we were talking in the lobby, 
you know, it's how would people look at playing an online game with friends versus going outside and shooting a basketball with friends? They've kind of become one and the same in terms of how youth view it. But I think that a lot of people view those two things very differently. Nigel, is it possible to be uh, genetically disposed to this sort of thing? We hear about that with other kinds of addiction. Well, what I you know would say to that is that we do look for you know family patterns of if there is things like depression or anxiety or again if there you know is compulsive behaviors mm-hmm. in families. But again, you know, so much of this is around also kind of finding value and acceptance you know within yourself from others. You know, there's this sense of wanting to fit in, but also belonging. You know, Charles was talking about, you know, you can create your own avatar, your persona. I mean, you can be somebody you, you're you not in in your real life. You know, your offline life, you may be struggling, whereas online, you know, you're kind of at the next level and you're feeling pretty good about things. Yeah. Charles, have you gone cold turkey on this thing or do you <laughs> still spend a little time gaming? So it's actually kind of a fun story. Um, These days, I actually work as a commentator for my favorite game, which is called Splatoon 2 for Nintendo Switch, and I do that with Nintendo. So Uh the company that has made all of these games that I have been addicted to and now kind of have a good relationship with, it's now part of my professional life. And so if you want to talk about going from it interrupting my professional life to helping influence and grow my professional life, um, it's still a very big part of what I do. But again, it's become something very healthy, something that I've used to build my portfolio yeah. and something that I, I might want to continue to do. That's a great angle to this uh, story overall, that you're using it now for much more positive purposes. We have a caller, Brian, in St. Louis, wants to get into our discussion, so let's bring him in. Brian, thank you for waiting. You're on the air. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure, go um, ahead. Uh, so I was, uh, I was addicted to gaming um, a while back, um, and I just wanted to say that uh, there there are certain types of games that I feel like allow uh, allow for you to get addicted a lot easier. Um, take take for instance, uh, you know, World of Warcraft versus Candy Crush. Uh, you have one game where you know you're building all of your resources. That's World of Warcraft. Uh, you're in you're inside of a community. You have lots of friends that you're always talking to, and they're constantly uh, you know nagging you to play with them and stuff like that. But you're also building resources. And, and these types of games, I felt that they were a little bit easier to be addicted to simply because you feel like these pixels on the screen are a stake, essentially, like, like you're investing your time and you're investing your work. Uh, and I just wanted to say that, you know, that is, is definitely, I think, a big factor in why people are getting addicted um, a lot easier because you can easily put down, you know, like Candy Crush or put down, you know, a whatever app, app, app game you're playing on your phone. But those kinds of games are really, really in. All right. Well, Brian, thanks for the call. Uh, Charles, you're nodding <laughs> as if you're in perfect agreement with, with him. Yes. And um, when I grew up, I, I was never into World of Warcraft, but another game that I did play growing up with the same premise, a uh, multiplayer online game, was called RuneScape. And you said, you mentioned Cold Turkey. The one genre that I will not touch anymore is that style, the massive multiplayer online RPG, because it really, as Brian said there, can suck you in because you have the social element. You have an escape from real life into a world where impossible things are now possible. It's imagination beyond what we could ever do here in the real world. Magic, dragons, everything like that that, you know, populate fiction all over. And you can invest so much time in it that you can, again, feel like you're another person. And, you know, I 100% agree that I think that that one can really, really 
get the right sort, uh, right sort of person inside and can just keep you sucked in because it is like you're living a separate life. It doesn't become a game at that point. Nigel, you're nodding. You're certainly in, in agreement. Yeah, well, no, Brian raises some really good points. And, you know, it's kind of interesting when you look at the various gaming platforms. You know, Charles mm-hmm. and I were talking, you know, earlier, you know, this incredible increase now in the mobile gaming app, you know, and, and it is different. So it does attract a different, you know, kind of player. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to be having like 10 minutes while you're waiting for something on your phone to play Candy Crush, mm-hmm. which, by the way, is incredibly popular. That that makes 2.2 million a day. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just one of the more widely popular games. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's it's what you're drawn to and kind of, um, you know, again, how your kind of wiring responds to different games. And this, of course, is exactly what the producers of these games want. They want to get people to the point where they just have to be at it most of the time. Keep coming back. And, and the the graphics have changed so dramatically, and not only over the years, but, you know, month by month they seem to get better and better. Does that has an allure? I would think the, uh, the the graphics and the variety of games. It does, and, and you know not only the graphics, but you know the um, the game itself and what that's doing. It's it's kind of having the same effect on the brain as a, a drug would in terms of releasing dopamine, serotonin, the feel good chemicals. Mm-hmm. So the bigger, brighter, and more complex, and more things kind of going on, it can really kind of you know open up that kind of pleasure. Uh, aspect of uh, the brain. Charles, did you find yourself waiting for new games to come <laughs> out to see exactly what they could do and do for you? Mm, the the anticipation of a new game coming out when you know the sequel to your favorite game comes out, that might be the most enticing moment of playing games and following the same series along. It's like, you know, I compare it to the, the euphoria you get when your favorite movie is getting a new sequel, when the new Star Wars is coming out, something like that. People will be waiting and waiting and waiting, and their entire multi-million dollar conferences every year where all these big companies come out and just say, we're working on this game. It may be two years before you see it, but we're working on it. And that alone is enough to just drive people crazy. Is there any kind of control over the industry, Nigel? In other words, to try to uh, have them pull back a little bit on what they're doing, given the source of this problem? There has been attempts at, you know, regulation. But, you know, again, we're talking about an industry that is, you know, I mean, a big, big percentage. There's too much money in it. Well, it's money and it's Internet-based. And, you know, good luck regulating, you know, the Internet and what we can, you know, find in there. When someone comes to you with a problem, how how do you handle it? It's an interesting question because, you know, I seldom get a person walk into my office and say, you know, I I have internet gaming disorder. What they will say is that, you know, I tend to avoid, you know, family. I tend to be stressed out. My time management is very poor. And you tend to take a look at, so where mm-hmm. then do they escape to? And that's where the gaming Mm-hmm. kind of issue comes up for many. So it doesn't necessarily become the presenting problem initially. You know, and that's why it's important to to just for parents and again caregivers just to connect with children or the adults in their life that they are concerned about and just kind of ask them, you know, what is kind of going on to try to get a sense of, you know, what's happening under underneath. It's not to again suggest that everyone who's into gaming has got a, you know, pathology process going on. But we do look for, you know, what's kind of really feeding this. Do, do you, 
try to wean them away from gaming altogether? It is about balance. Yeah. It is about balance. You know, I mean, we always hear the you know the line, you know, everything in moderation. But it's it's about getting you know people to look at other things that matter to them, that gives them value and meaning. Again, you know, I always say with addiction, you know, the opposite of addiction is connection, and mm-hmm. if it's the one thing, it becomes the everything. Mm-hmm. So it's having like a menu of options. We only have a little over a minute left. Very quickly, Charles, I ask you, the the issue of violence uh, comes up all the time with gaming, that it can lead to violence. Did you ever have any sense that the game could could, uh, force you in that direction? Personally, no. That was never something that – that was never a line that got crossed in my head. Mm -hmm. For me, it was games are games, reality is reality. Um, but I also don't play too many games of that genre. I'm mm-hmm. a little squeamish when it comes to gore, and I like my, my bright graphics, mm-hmm. my cartoon. Yeah. And again, 45 seconds left, Nigel. Uh, people seem to be addicted to their telephones. They're not playing games at all. They're addicted to this yes. new technology. What, yeah. What's your comment on that? Well, you know, we, we expect more from technology than we do from each other. And, you know, we've really got to ask ourselves, you know, what's it going to take for us to reconnect, you know, to be more kind of involved and to pursue, you know, relationships. You know, it's not always about correction. It is about connection. And so, you know, I would just say that, you know, if there's concern of any kind of digital or technology taking you over, consider a digital diet. You know, focus on balance in your life. And parents, uh, keep an eye on what the younger kids are doing. Make sure they're not spending too much time. Well, Charles Whitehead, thank you so much for being with us. I'm glad you're clean now, as as we say to addicts. And, Nigel, thank you so much for being with us. Pleasure. Most, thank you. Most interesting, indeed. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.